Hello, and welcome to the Pathmic Psychiatry for Primary Care podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast on gender. This is Whitney Landa, she, her, and today we have Caitlin Trudzuli, she, her, a psychotherapist in our Fremont location, joining us for this important discussion. Welcome, Caitlin. Thanks for having me. So let's start our discussion today with what is gender, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. And full disclosure, we Googled the definition to make sure that we're presenting the most current up-to-date definition as of June 2022. So the World Health Organization defines gender as referring to the characteristics of women, men, girls, and boys that are socially constructed. This includes norms, behaviors, and roles associated with being woman, man, girl, or boy, as well as the relationship to each other. As a social construct, gender varies from society to society and can change over time. So with that said, I think when folks think about gender, it's often completed with sex. And then the other layer is gender identity versus gender expression. And so that's why we have to ask folks and really think about it. We Googled the latest definitions mm -hmm. because we <laughs> a lot. And it's important to know that and mm -hmm. to know that the word you are using, you know, for the last three years has a different meaning now. And so we have to yeah. shift and be respectful about what the current meaning is. I think with not only what is gender, I think that we are really, you know, socially, it's something that is thought about a lot more, uh, but also how all the terms and definitions about how someone identifies their gender, which I know we'll get into. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump into those. I think one of the terms people use a lot is cisgender. What does mm. cisgender mean? So again, yeah, describe an individual whom gender and physical sex characteristics are in alignment. And uh, one thing you said earlier that I loved was that gender reveal parties are actually sex reveal parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the kids will tell us their gender later. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And they might tell us a few times over life, right? And yeah, <laughs> because gender does shift and it does change. And I think one of the yeah. biggest myths um, that I also had to come to realize is that gender is fluid and it does change throughout mm -hmm. the course of someone's life. Mm -hmm. It isn't static the way sex can be static. Right. Yeah. And I think um, making space for that and, and, you know, I, I, like I was sharing earlier, this idea of like how I think about myself and the ways that my gender expression has changed for, as an adolescent or even how I um, present my gender at work versus home or with peers, right? Like I think that can kind of help folks really, if you think about yourself and how you might um, accentuate gender in different spaces can help us understand the patients that we work with as well. So let's review just a few of the terms that people use a lot. And mm -hmm. currently, as mm -hmm. of June, 2022, <laughs> what these mean, because as mm -hmm. we just said, they change. And so the mm -hmm. first I hear a lot is gender fluid. Mm -hmm. So the definition that I'm seeing currently is an individual whose gender identity changes over time or is not a fixed binary. 
I would even say, or is not fixed, right? Some individuals may also identify as gender queer. So they're kind of conflating those two, which I'm sure not everyone who uses them combines those as well. Right. So gender queer usually means not male, not female, mm. something different, mm -hmm. but is not necessarily fluid. Right. 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 Could be a static okay. identity. Mm -hmm. And also I hear gender queer and non-binary, mm -hmm. which when we Googled seemed to be similar. Yeah, exactly. I think and you know what the two of us talked about when we were kind of googling was how important is this just to ask people because how frequently they change and in many ways it depends on how the person self-defines and what it means to them yeah precisely so not only does it shift culturally mm -hmm. but also people use the terms differently and mm -hmm. it's easy to make assumptions because we mm -hmm. don't actually have that many words to describe gender compared to mm -hmm. the spectrum of experiences. Yes. I love really that. Yeah. Ask. And then let's just touch on what it means to be transgender. So it's an umbrella term used to describe a person whose gender identity, expression, or behaviors fall outside culturally defined norms for their biological sex. Yeah. And again, I think it's really important to ask because that is a huge range. There's a lot of variability mm -hmm. in there too. And right. people can have fluidity there. There can be a static gender identity that's not cisgender. Absolutely. And I think that's why it can be an inclusive term because it can hold space for a lot of different people. One thing I like to say to kids when they're struggling with this and sort of coming to terms with this is mm -hmm. sometimes our bodies and our brains have different sexes and we have to reconcile that. Mm, I love that. And even to add, like, sometimes our bodies and brains and then society, right? So it's like figuring out what's modeled back versus what's internal, too. It can be complicated. I love that because society puts a lot of expectations on gender as mm -hmm. a very powerful social construct. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's often how folks, no matter their gender, learn or, or like learn about their gender, um, whether it fits or doesn't fit. Like, oh, this is kind of what I'm told to do. Does that feel good or not? And that's part of the privilege around cisgender, right? To hold that not ever thinking about it is actually a privilege. Absolutely, and to have people automatically interact with you mm -hmm. in a way that feels good and fits your gender is a privilege. Mm -hmm. Or actually even just feels normal. I've had patients tell me that when their pronouns were used appropriately, they thought it would feel really good and it actually just didn't feel uncomfortable, which surprised them. And that actually brings me to one thing that I know I struggle with is what to do when you mess up and you misuse mm. pronouns with someone or you misgender them. Um, how do you handle that situation? Uh, correct myself quickly, catch it myself, uh, apologize, but don't make too big of a deal about it, right? Like 
Um, if someone, you know, like I said, or you introduced me as she, her, if someone were to say, Caitlin, he, blah, blah, blah. Oh, sorry, she, Caitlin, she did a little, and just kind of like move on. Don't make too much about it. The way that I hold that is if I feel uncomfortable when I misgender someone, I don't want to use the time I have with that person in a clinical setting to make myself feel better. If I feel guilty, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm so sorry, and kind of make a, a thing out of it that takes up too much of my feelings and kind of just move on. I can work on it later. I can learn that discomfort will help me do different next time. Yeah, so I love that. Just correct yourself, apologize and move on. Mm -hmm. Don't make a big deal out of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and one tip that I use, because I'm such a visual person, if I'm looking at someone's chart, that I will make sure that their name is correct and their pronouns are correct in the demographics because then mm -hmm. the name next to their video is the name I want to call them and the pronouns I want to use. So if you actually went by Cody instead of Caitlin, if the name Caitlin is right next to your video, I have a really hard time with that. Um, mm -hmm. So you guys can ask your MAs to actually update that for you so that their name and their gender is appropriate. And if you see that in the chart and you think, well, that's odd, that's a different name, I would assume it's on purpose first Mm -hmm. um, and clarify and just ask very respectfully, I'm, you know, I want to make sure I address you correctly. Tell me your name, not preferred right. name, just name. Right. Um, and then Caitlin, in my imaginary example, since Caitlin <laughs> does go by Caitlin, can say <laughs> it's Cody. Perfect. That's really useful. I also, um, along the same lines, have it set in my uh, telehealth um, equipment, whether it's through Epic or Zoom, I try to put my pronouns in there as a modeling of a way and just starting the conversation um, with these nonverbal indicators. So people know my pronouns as well. I think when you show your own pronouns very openly, it also shows acceptance mm -hmm. and cues the patient that you're open to the conversation. Right. And thinking about it or that we're thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So to that end, I know sometimes it can be awkward for people to ask about gender and we're giving mm -hmm. you tips to use once you find out the person's gender. Caitlin, mm -hmm. how do you ask about people's gender in your appointments? Yeah. I appreciate you asking. Um, so I start in the intake, I ask every single person, no matter my assumption on how they might present or information in their chart. So I always start with demographics. And because there's quite a few of them, I actually model them. You know, I say, I'm not, after I kind of give the intro about cancellations and policies and confidentiality, then I say, okay, we're going to move into the questions. And I'm going to start with demographics. For example, my name is Caitlin, she, her pronouns, cisgender, and we'll go on to say, other identity markers such as um, race, ethnicity, family, uh, religious affiliation, and so forth. And then ask the patient to do the same for themselves. And then at the end, both of us are like, oh, did we miss anything? And if gender might have been missed, they'll be like, oh, you didn't name your gender. Can you share that with me? 
And the more I do it, the easier it gets. It also feels like just making space to practice this inclusive questioning. So that's a great idea to just model it. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea of practicing it a lot because mm -hmm. it is going to feel awkward at first. And I think our awkwardness can transfer to patients. So if we feel awkward with a question, they feel awkward answering it, mm -hmm. so practicing it a few times before you go in and maybe trying it with patients, you know, well, even first to say, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm realized that I haven't been asking this question and then ask. So that you know these people well, you're less nervous with people you know well, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we want to ask about gender the way you would ask about a bowel movement. Maybe not mm -hmm. the most socially acceptable first question to ask someone, but totally mm -hmm. fine within a doctor's office. And we're all comfortable with that. And when you first mentioned that example, I think it's so useful as the psychotherapist. I, it's something if someone were to ask me to start talking to patients about, I'd be like, oh goodness, I'm nervous asking about bowel movements because it's new for me. And, and yet I'm asking about gender all the time, which might be equally as uncomfortable for other providers. So thinking about the whole person. And then I mentioned maybe practicing with some people, you know, well, mm -hmm. a lot of people we've seen for a long time and we haven't asked about their gender. Do you have any tips on how to bring that into the conversation more naturally? Mm. I think just being using humility and, and realizing that we forgot to ask about a big piece. Um, also in the context of the appointment, if it's an annual checkup or just visit, it can be useful to just say like, I'm updating charts. These are some questions I'm curious about and ask folks practice that way as well. And important to do that pretty regularly as people shift in their lives, because mm -hmm. you know, we think about teens as having unstable identities, but actually adolescence extends through young adulthood too. Absolutely. What we label Absolutely. as young adulthood. Mm -hmm. I think we yeah. all can relate to that. <laughs> <That's for sure>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Making sure that just because you checked in at 16 doesn't mean you don't need to check right. in at 18, 20. Yeah. yeah. And even again, 50s, 60s, right? There's a lot of folks who, for whatever reason, um, might be useful to ask any time in life and to get that kind of practice too. I think a lot of older adults are thinking about gender for the first time, maybe because mm -hmm. their children are thinking about gender or just culturally it's so much more acceptable. Yeah. Even when I was growing up and I'm not that old, mm -hmm. people didn't talk about gender. It wasn't right. something that was normal to question culturally. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that we've grown past that as a society. But I think a lot of older adults never had that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to name. Like I ask people all day long uh, from so many different backgrounds, ages, ethnicities, cultures. And I've never had anyone tell me it offended them. I've had people say that it would, they were confused and it became an education moment, but no one was offended or upset by it. So I think that's important to remember too. Yeah, it's just a question. And again, mm -hmm. if we ask exactly. it as a question, people don't take it as anything else usually. Mm -hmm. And I've had one person get blustery with me about, mm -hmm. you know, well, I was just, 
and then we were able to talk about all these societal changes are really bothering him, right? Mm. And he's getting a lot of irritability around people not wearing hats in restaurants and people mm. who have tattoos that are visible. And, and it was mm. so much bigger and broader. And it actually mm -hmm. opened up a great topic for us to discuss. But I think the majority of people don't mm -hmm. get offended. Or if they do, they maybe get a little blustery and then they move on. Of course, there's always a risk. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and to name that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With anything, someone could the same with the bowel movements, right? They could be really offended. To go back to that example. So people can get offended about anything. That's true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's really important that we ask about gender mm -hmm. and that we remind ourselves to keep asking yeah. and to cue ourselves to use the right gender everyone's so busy you're going from patient to patient every 15 minutes yeah. use sticky notes use the name and the chart the demographics to help yep. remind yourself and to keep checking in because most people especially as they age have some level of fluidity with their gender and it's good to keep asking absolutely um and other tips to think about are avoiding using uh, addressing patients with gender, like a sir or a ma'am, just how may I help you when talking about patients, either to colleagues or in notes. I know that's something we talked about, sticking to gender neutral if possible. Yeah, little things like that can make such a big difference in someone's experience. And with open notes, they're reading our notes. So it's really yeah. important. I, as a rule, just now put patient for everything. <laughs> because, Me too, yeah. <laughs> and I don't have to worry about whether I've used it correctly or not. Mm -hmm. So PT is my go-to. Mm -hmm. Love that shorthand, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it is hard because so much of my social conditioning as a child was that using sir or ma'am, those things were polite and it's right. not polite to drop them. But I think now we have to shift our thinking that it's more polite to drop them than to use them. Mm. And that people, as long as you're using a respectful greeting, don't really notice that you didn't use that. Um, right. And it's really meaningful to people who don't identify mm -hmm. uh, with their gender expression in that moment. Because we also mm -hmm. have to remember that just because you have a gender expression doesn't mean you'll always dress to fit that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's also totally normal. So someone mm -hmm. might show up wearing pink and say, I'm male. And mm -hmm. if their physical characteristics are otherwise male, we don't have any questioning about that. But if they mm -hmm. have some feminine characteristics, all of a sudden that becomes difficult for me. I'm not going to speak mm -hmm. for anyone else. It's difficult mm -hmm. for me. And so always remembering that not to make that assumption. Yeah, I, I mean, I think about similar, like I said earlier, right, like how we present in different spaces, we accentuate different aspects of our identity um, and gender in different ways. And doctor's offices might be a space where folks are being extra protective in certain ways or not, or aren't sure how safe it is, uh, not just for gender, for all of us in some degree. So, you know, to hold that into the context when we're asking these questions as well. I think you had mentioned earlier when we were talking that later on someone might be like, I wasn't comfortable sharing this, but actually identify as, you know, gender express expansive in some way. 
right? But because you had kind of opened up the conversation later on, they were able to share that with you. I think that's, I think the ultimate point here is that you want mm. people to feel safe. Yeah. And even if they don't tell you that first visit, they might tell you later because it feels safe. Thank you so much for joining us today, Caitlin. Yeah, thank you for having me. I know we could talk about this for multiple days, I'm sure. And there are so many amazing resources out there. I want to make sure to give a nod to our gender care advocates as well as a fantastic resource. How would someone reach the gender care advocates if they had questions? Absolutely. Uh, you can send an EPIC referral. Um, and the codes are trans health, one word, PED, or trans health, INT. Yeah, and that's a fantastic clinic to send yeah. patients to. Do you have any resources if people just have more questions about gender or gender mm. identity? Gender spectrum is kind of my go-to. I know I do work with a lot of pediatric folks, so that's kind of maybe skewing some of my resources in that sense, or the trans student education, educational resource, sorry, which is transstudent.org has amazing graphics that are really useful. My favorite is the gender unicorn that we looked at earlier. They also have so many others. That's my first go-to really. Um, they don't have to be for teenagers or young folks. I think sim the simplicity of them is so valuable no matter the age. Yeah, I agree. I think those resources are awesome for any age. So, yeah. Uh, cool. What was the website again? Transstudent.org. So T R A N S student.org. And I'll yeah. also post that in the show notes for you guys awesome. as well. Okay. Wonderful. I hope this was helpful and helped everyone understand gender. And I hope everyone has a nice day. Thank you.